everyone, and welcome to the Resonance Test. I'm your host, Pete Chapin from Continuum. If I use the words aging and digital technology in the same sentence, you might think of your grandma posting in all caps on your Facebook posts. But if you push beyond this tired stereotype, you'll find quite a rich area of opportunity for improving the lives of older adults and the lives of their caregivers. How can we help older adults stay healthy and remain in the communities with their favorite people and their favorite stores? How can tech companies drive innovations that help caregivers stay in touch with their loved ones? And now that many healthcare providers are using electronic health records, how can we leverage that data to improve health outcomes and drive down costs? These are some big questions, and we've brought in some big thinkers to help us unpack them. With us today is Dr. Alice Bonner, Massachusetts State Secretary of Elder Affairs. Secretary Bonner directed the Nursing Home Division for the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services in the Obama administration. She's been a geriatric nurse practitioner caring for nursing home residents and their families for over 24 years. We're also joined by Lawrence Stuntz, director of the Massachusetts eHealth Institute at MassTech, otherwise known as MIHI. MIHI is part of the Massachusetts Technology Collaborative, a state agency working to support innovation economy growth as part of the Massachusetts Digital Health Initiative. Lawrence's goal is to help Massachusetts leverage digital health innovation, including electronic health records, for better economic and care delivery outcomes. Alice and Lawrence sat down to talk about aging and digital health with Mike Dunkley, Senior Vice President and Head of Continuum's Medical Business. Let's hear how that conversation went. So welcome to both of you. Great to have you on on our podcast today. So we're going to be talking about aging um, and digital health. And I thought just to kick things off, maybe um, maybe we could take a stab at defining some of the challenges around aging, and in particular, your position, Secretary Bonner, and the Executive Office of Elder Affairs. You know, what are you seeing in the state, um, and you know, what are some of the main challenges that we we should be thinking about? Terrific. Well, thanks for having us. We in the Executive Office of Elder Affairs, we're we're really the state unit on aging. And so our mission is that we promote the independence, empowerment, and well-being of older adults, people with disabilities, and their caregivers. And every word of that is really important because, you know, aging is not about old people. It's about families and communities. And so Uh, We look across the Commonwealth and, in fact, over this last summer have had this tremendous opportunity because Governor Baker established a council to address aging and we went and did listening sessions all across the state. So we heard from older adults down the Cape, out in the Berkshires, in Worcester, the North Shore, and kind of everywhere in between. And there were a couple of themes that really came out that helped to validate in a lot of ways the things that we work on in elder affairs. And what we heard from people is kind of this umbrella sense of the uh, economic insecurity. People worry as they get older about their economic security. Mm -hmm. And under that are things like accessible housing and transportation and healthcare integration. So those are just some of the basic things that we heard about. We have one and a half million people in Massachusetts over the age of 60. And, uh, you know, meeting the needs of people across all of those income levels Mm -hmm. in all of the things that keep them up at night uh, are, are things that uh, are opportunities for our colleagues in, in technology uh, for us to think about together. Mm-hmm. I'm glad in, in your introduction you mentioned caregivers because I absolutely wanted to 
to make that part of the discussion. But but maybe in terms of prioritization, what what do you see as the most pressing challenges? And you know, one one of the the, the challenges I have coming to this conversation, and I, and I remember remarks on your welcome notes on the website says, "Aging begins the moment we are born," which is kind of sobering. But I don't think anyone thinks that way, right? I mean, I'm in my mid 40s. I don't think about aging at all yet. So I, I have a very kind of disconnected view of that. I'm not. I'm lucky enough or fortunate enough that I'm not a caregiver yet. So my my view of aging is 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 limited, right? So your position, having this purview over the state, what are the really critical things? What are the most pressing? I, I get that you cover a range of different things in your in your role, but what, what would you highlight as the really top concerns? So I think you really touched on one of them, which is if we don't get people to start thinking about aging and longevity mm-hmm. as a lifespan event, mm-hmm. uh, starting at the time uh, that we're born, then we miss the opportunity for people to, for example, start saving for retirement, realize how much it takes to save for retirement. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we see now, and AARP has done a lot of work on this nationally, is that across our entire country, uh, people are not saving anywhere near enough for retirement. Very few people do. And so if we want a positive um, way to spend our lives in every decade, uh, including in our 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and you know, into uh, the centenarians who are uh, many more now than there ever have been in the mm-hmm. past, we have to figure out how to plan for those years. And so uh, one of our, uh, again, one of the most important things for us in uh, elder affairs is to help people understand that aging can be a really positive time in our Mm -hmm. lives. I mean, for many of us, our children are grown. We have time with our families. Maybe we didn't have children, but we don't need to work anymore. So we have this time, but that can only really happen if you're not worrying about where, you know, the next paycheck is coming from Mm -hmm. or where the next social security check is coming from. And you're not worried about poverty and having to leave your home, et cetera. So one of the biggest things that we heard when we went around the state was this notion of aging in community. And if you ask, you know, sort of what's one of these other overarching principles, it's that people want to get older and stay and continue to live in the community um, that's home for them, in the neighborhood that's home, and where they have their social supports and, uh, you know, uh, their whether it's their senior center or their hairdresser or their bank at their restaurants mm-hmm. that are their favorite. We, we all know what home is mm-hmm. and neighborhoods. And so helping people figure out how to stay in their community as opposed to, you know, going to live in in a nursing home or going to live somewhere else because it's near their where their family is, um, is, is really a big part of where we see the opportunities for technology. So supporting Great. aging in the home. Great. So Lawrence, there's a number of themes themes there to explore, maybe under the umbrella of digital health. But before we do that, do you want to just take a few seconds and say, what do we mean by digital health in this context? Sure. And, and thanks for having me. The digital health for us is uh, sits at sort of the, the intersection of a whole bunch of different things. It sits at the intersection of medical devices and life sciences and technology or software. So we think of it and we define it uh, as any, any software-based 
products that help support healthcare delivery, healthcare payment, uh, connection for health. One of the things uh, that the secretary was talking about, about aging and community is one of the real uh, key aspects that we think that there's real promise for technology is with uh, creating and supporting social networks for folks to help connect them to people who may not be close to them uh, mm-hmm. geographically, but you know, connect them to their caregivers who oftentimes are children uh, who are who don't live right near. And if you can use technology to connect. Uh, connect people, older adults, to their caregivers. That's one way to help them, help those older adults age in community, and help the caregivers feel more comfortable about, you know, what's going on with their with their parents who they love, but they, who they also want to make sure uh, are safe and mm-hmm. are uh, feel connected and are aging aging well. Right. So, yeah, digital health is it, it really does sort of blend all these things. You can think of a medical device that is. Uh, sort of checking to make sure that somebody isn't falling in their home and that being connected to uh, the internet and mm-hmm. notifying folks if somebody does fall or at least you know hasn't moved in a while there's a whole bunch of different right. pieces of it but right. you know software that's helping with support helping support healthcare delivery is where we think of it so then when we when we look at mihai where you're directed so can you can you give a little bit of color there explain what what the, the goals and mission of, of MIHI is and how it's um, working within digital health in, in the Commonwealth? Yeah, sure. So uh, MIHI is a state agency. We work uh, very closely with the Executive Office of Elder Affairs and other state agencies. We're a little bit independent in that we have an independent board of directors, uh, although we are chaired by the Secretary of Housing and Economic Development. And that came about because MIHI is part of an organization called the Mass Tech Collaborative, which is an economic development agency. Mm-hmm. But the, a part of the point for MIHI, and it was established in 2008, it was established to help support uh, provide originally to support providers in technology adoption. So we started with electronic health records. Right. And at this point in Massachusetts, we're lucky enough that virtually all of the healthcare uh, providers, over 90% in all the different sort of segments of healthcare, uh, it, uh, providers use electronic health records and capture data about uh, our Commonwealth's citizens' health. Uh, so the vast majority, you know, well over 95% uh, of patient visits with their doctor are captured uh, electronically. And now we're starting to share that information over the health information exchange. That's another piece of what Mihai does and helps support. And then what Mihai is really starting to focus on is driving innovation on top of that you know, shared infrastructure of data and of information liquidity or information mm-hmm. moving around and trying to find innovative solutions that plug into that and really help us get a handle on healthcare costs and healthcare quality outcomes. And so that's Mihai in a nutshell. So, so as you look at, across innovation, um, particularly in Massachusetts, what are some of the really compelling examples you're seeing from, from folks? So I think, you know, it, you know we, we've seen some really incredible, I'll, I'll use as an example, uh, Pulse at Mass Challenge. So one of the things that we do, uh, that we did to try to uh, help accelerate the growth of digital health companies in Massachusetts was we were partnered with Mass Challenge, uh, which is a, a non not-for-profit accelerator. I know Continuum right. knows them pretty Just well. Upstairs from <laughs> Just upstairs right, from yeah, us yeah. right here, yeah. Um, and uh, to create a digital health-specific accelerator for 
uh, for um, companies. And so these are companies that have a good idea of what the product was, but one of the problems you see in healthcare is that it can be really challenging to uh, to find customers early It's uh, it, and to get adoption with customers. So we partnered with Mass Challenge to create an accelerator. And one of the innovations as part of that was to, for every, to be accepted to the accelerator, you have to get a champion who is affiliated uh, with Pulse and is partnering with you. So one of the things that I've seen a lot of, particularly in the space of aging, so this year we're currently doing the judging for the next class of participants, and uh, the executive office has put out a challenge around aging in place and, and right. aging, aging at home. I probably saw uh, through the online judging process half a dozen really interesting and innovative technologies that without any kind of invasive, um, like without necessarily requiring wearable monitors or anything, mm-hmm. but have a capacity to uh, connect people and sort of help keep them safe by detecting falls early or detecting sort of precursors to falls. So that's one area that I think is particularly relevant here. There mm-hmm. in the Pulse class uh, last year, there were innovative solutions that you know had a huge range from virtual reality that helped uh, seniors sort of connect to their past uh, through, you know, through, you know, replaying them, uh, replaying for them, you know, pictures of, you know, their weddings or their mm-hmm. old, old home. And they shoot, they showed really interesting clinical benefit to folks who may have been become non-responsive or demented and, uh, starting to think about, you know, and so those, those memories really brought them out of their shells. It was really pretty interesting. And then right, there were right. whole, was a whole range of other digital health technologies around, you know, concussion, you know, <laughs> sort of detection and, and uh, some really interesting and cool stuff. Sure, so. sure. So I, I'd love to just um, add on to that, that in particular, care, going back to your topic of caregiving, right. uh, people who are caring for someone who has Alzheimer's disease or dementia, as the dementia progresses, very often the person um, needs more during the day to, um, you know, activities and things to keep them interested and and if they don't have activities sometimes they will exhibit behaviors that are more challenging for caregivers so Mm -hmm. the example that lawrence gave of these virtual reality Mm -hmm. uh, types of innovation that can help someone to relive pleasant memories or we've seen a lot with music so a lot with music that brings back memories that is a pleasurable activity it isn't just that it's a pleasurable activity for the person who has alzheimer's disease it is it can be a lifesaver for the caregiver who needs, you know, 15 minutes just to right. do the dishes or jump in the right, shower right, or something right, like right, that that right. they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. So I think those were really terrific mm-hmm. uh, innovations that we saw through Pulse. The other thing is the um, the social networking and helping people to have systems in place that as a busy caregiver help to organize your life better. So even the the simplest of apps on your phone to help coordinate the different activities, the different medical appointments, the information flow, it sounds like it's, uh, well, you know, those are things you could do now with existing apps, but it's, it's about how people 
bring the information from mm -hmm. multiple different medical practitioners together and can kind of catalog it and then share it out with their network. So, mm -hmm. for example, you know, my mother with her Alzheimer's, you know, my brother might take her to an appointment and I need a system where I can just quickly transfer information to my brother if he's going on that day or transfer it to her caregiver. And so these um, digital solutions that help networks of caregivers, mm -hmm. um, because it does take a village sometimes right. when, when right. someone has uh, an, an illness like Alzheimer's or something physical like multiple sclerosis mm -hmm. where, you know, people need to share information about, you know, I figured out a new way of lifting dad today that worked better than the other ways. Right. And yes, I could pick up the phone and call. And But these systems that are really facilitate information sharing using video or, you know, photographs. And there's just a lot of innovation, I think, in that space that's really helping caregivers. And what I would say that we've learned more than anything is the people who are actually caregivers and the people who are actually um, individuals who have these illnesses have to be involved in the design of any system. Right. Right. And we saw that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say you asked about innovation earlier and it sort of talked about some other products. But one thing that, that I think is a huge trend that's really helping here is the capacity to deliver seamlessly video over the Internet and allow that it just brings people together from far apart. And right. it's it really is making a huge difference. Uh, I also think that the the sort of the trend towards really non-invasive uh technology so that people don't feel like, oh, I have to put on a bracelet or I have to wear, uh, you know, the old Philips Lifeline. Or there's you a know, camera body. in my house. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. And, you know, if, if there are ways that we can sort of make make these technologies seamless and invisible to the folks that they're supporting. And, you know, we always we have to be very conscious of privacy concerns around, of uh, around yeah. all of this. But I think that's really changing and doing some really interesting things. Yeah. So. I, I would agree that, uh, you know, as a, again, in terms of what's the market out there. So for example, Lawrence gave a great example with fall prevention mm -hmm. and moving, moving the issue upstream so that you're actually detecting, for example, changes in gait speed, which right. is how fast right. people right. are walking. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you know, to do that for an insurance company that has a large number of seniors, that could be a game changer for them if there's an intervention right, that you right. can then institute. So yeah. it might be Tai Chi. So we know that there's evidence that Tai Chi programs, if they're, if they are, you know, are particular Tai Chi programs, um, there's good evidence that they work and prevent falls. So if you had an intervention like that and you could identify the people for whom it would make a difference, right. you know, that again, that's using digital technology yeah. and it's also linking, and I think this is important, health, but, you know, putting it in the context of home care in a way that doesn't over-medicalize people's lives. Because the the innovation that's really interesting in this space is keeping, bringing health care into the home without, without over-medicalizing right. people's lives. People don't want to feel like they're not well. They right. want to feel supported, right. but not intruded upon. Especially younger people with disabilities. So again, right. 
people who are aging with a disability that might be something again like multiple sclerosis mm -hmm. or um, mm -hmm. you know someone who's had a brain injury for example as those people get into their later 50s they're approaching 60 61 62 those people are starting to see some of the effects of age but again they don't want to feel old I don't think any of us want to feel old so some of this is about is also about reframing aging in a positive mm -hmm. way. And I think some of the innovation that we've seen that's been so interesting has been how to leverage the positive things about getting older. So, you know, Lawrence talked about caregivers. Between 25 to 33% of any workforce are people who are also caregivers. So right. I go to work right. nine to five every day. I go home, I pick up my kids, and then I go to my mother's house and, and do caregiving until mm -hmm. about 10 o'clock at mm -hmm. night and then go home. So the notion that there could be technology that could help me with those caregiving responsibilities right. and could turn it from a burden, if you will, or the challenges that I face into something positive by really facilitating right. that caregiving right. and seeing the positive aspects of it is really a neat yeah. idea. Can, can we dig into caregivers a little yeah. more? Because the examples you've given so far mostly have been around the um, kind of the hidden economy of caregiving, like people that have unpaid second jobs as caregivers, right? But the population of people who are aging who are going to need additional services because they want to remain in place in the community, that's only increasing. And my understanding is there's a dearth of professional um, caregivers for various reasons. So what, if anything, can technology do to improve the employee experience or the professional experience of, of those individuals to bring more people in to make it a more attractive proposition and then you mentioned I'm sorry quick follow-up yeah. and then we'll come back to it you mentioned insurance companies and then I hear dollars and maybe there's a way to pay for it so I want to come back to where the money comes from in a second but so I'll, we, I'll give an example and I thought this was uh, a really nice example out of uh, one of the actually the event that we held here at continuum around a, a reverse pitch event where one of the one of the speakers was, ran a sort of an assisted living uh, facility and he was mm -hmm. saying that uh, a lot of their staff are have English as a second language a lot of uh, are licensed practical nurses and certified mm -hmm. nursing assistants so they're they're certified but it, you know it's a, a non four-year de degree and so on and one of the things that he said was a really interesting and potential innovation that technology could help with is providing much better context and information about the about the client to the caregiver and mm -hmm. the reason for that is caregivers spend a lot of time part of the magic of what they do is they spend uh, time and energy getting to know and building a rapport right. with their client or with mm -hmm. their their patient and one of the things that technology is really good at is giving context and giving more information ahead of time so mm -hmm. that you as a caregiver could know that Sally's birthday was yesterday or two days ago or that mm -hmm. her uh, her grandchildren came to visit uh, last right. weekend. Right. So a caregiver can, you know, techno one of the things that technology can do is sort of give a caregiver that context. They can... Hmm. Not spend less time, but do a more effective and interesting job about you know building it's, a rapport quickly it's really with the interesting client. Yeah. Oftentimes, my concern when I hear technology trying yeah. to solve a problem like this is: is that going to get in in the way of right. this human relationship? Yeah. Right? It's, Are we actually going to do a worse job caring for people mm -hmm. because we're 
outsourcing, if you like, to technology, but yeah. you're saying it could be an amplifier. Yeah, and I think that that's a really, and I think for entrepreneurs, right. that's the kind of thing that they should be thinking about. How can we, right, amplify the empathy that, you mm -hmm. know, the hu humans are good at <laughs> empathy, about mm -hmm. caring, right. about so on. Technology is very bad at that, generally. Right. So, but technology is great at information processing and data processing and turning that into information flows and, uh, and can do some really amazing and incredible things that can augment the caregiver uh, patient relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, yeah, I mean, I do think we still have a looming uh, shortage of, of professional caregivers. Right. Uh, right. Our population generally is getting mm -hmm. older. And uh, so we're going to, so that, right. you know, we'll have to figure out how to solve that challenge as well. You're but I, I think the, as far as um, the empathy and what technology is good at and what yeah. humans are good at, yeah. I think it's figuring out which tasks lend themselves best to, or really require a person to be there mm -hmm. and a person to be there yeah. who's empathetic yeah. and what tasks you know don't require a person I mean there is a lot now with robotics and yep. there's obviously right. a lot of companies moving into that space and I think that is important and then this notion of connecting people and how you can uh, be sure to be able to uh, have some visual of an older person in the home and a connection with that person and testing out technologies um, that work better and better. You know, we had Skype, we had FaceTime, we have these kinds of things, but ways that people can stay connected in a right. meaningful way that, uh, again, people will often say, well, older adults won't use X, mm -hmm. you know, they won't. Well, we know they use tablets, they use iPhones, right. they use right. all kinds of things. This is a lot of the work that Mihai has done. But I do think that figuring out the digital health technologies that keep people connected in a positive way. And um, again, getting older adults to test these mm -hmm. um, so that they can stay connected, whether, you know, if I wanna, you know, have a class where I'm learning how to, you know, crochet or do wee bowling or, you know, whatever, and just connecting me with other right. people who are doing that, you know, the social networking, yeah. there there are companies that are looking at that. So if, I, and it's particularly important in rural areas where people want to stay in their home, but then they become very isolated, very right. lonely, very mm -hmm. quickly, because there's no way for them to get out. There's, yep. the transportation isn't good, etc. So for those people, a digital company that is addressing loneliness, isolation, providing activities, figuring out what works, evaluating that, because again, depression, we know, can lead to worsening cognitive status and all kinds of health issues. Right, so right. it really, it, it can be seen as a health problem. It can be seen as an opportunity. It can be seen as a way to create a positive environment in communities for all of us as we Age. Right. I was just going to lead in you. Uh, you said you talked about insurance companies and the economic opportunity yeah. there. The the other piece of that is employers, I think, right. and and really, you know, a lot of caregivers are as as Al said, uh, nine, you know, have a have a day job, right? And, right. right. Uh, but caregiving takes them away from that in mm -hmm. in many cases. You mm -hmm. accompany uh, relatives to doctor's appointments. You. Mm -hmm. Are checking in on them and and so on. So I, I really do think that there's a, there's a
there's a case to be made in a lot of areas for caregiver support by employers, and there are right. some really interesting uh, tools out there that are looking at that. Both, you know, sort of tools for direct uh, caregiving as well as just support to help caregivers, you know, sort of family caregivers mm-hmm. get the professional support and the professional help so, that they so need. Can we talk a little bit about, yeah. about business models? Because yeah. I'm. I, our experience is, is as people are innovating in, in a space, right, that oftentimes they're connecting technology with challenges, and we talked a lot about that. But what comes later is how do you connect it with with, with a business model mm-hmm. and the money? And, you know, there's clearly examples of self-pay. There's the, the voluntary voluntary caregiving in its own, own right, but then there's people who might go to Best Buy and take advantage of their new offering like Geek Squad, right? Um, we mentioned insurance companies, you're mentoring employees. What, what are you seeing as the emerging kind of themes amongst the innovation community is where is this money going to flow that's going to enable the innovation and is going to enable sustainable delivery of these services? Is that is that figured out yet or is it, so is it, it really? So I think it's not figured out yet in the way that I would focus and the way that I encourage entrepreneurs to think about this sort of thing is to figure out where the cost is mm-hmm. and then follow that to a viable uh, business model. So, for instance, in the you know the the concept of aging at aging at home or aging in place or so on, there's a couple of different costs that lead on after somebody isn't successfully able to stay at home. One, uh, oftentimes they'll go to a nursing home, an institutionalized setting. It's tremendously more expensive to be in an institutional setting than at an you know, aging at home. It's something mm-hmm. like an order of magnitude right. uh, more expensive uh, to be institutionalized. So for certain populations that uh, there there may be a, a clear payer for uh, for that nursing home. In many cases, it may be a state, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for, for folks who are, right. who are qualified right. from an income uh, perspective, it's a state Medicaid program. Right. And states are already paying for assistive services like they'll pay for a lot of uh, retrofitting of houses to, you know, sort of make them right. wheelchair accessible right. and some other things. So I, th- I do think that uh, one of the things we'd like to explore with uh, through Pulse is, you know, are there digital technologies that would make sense to incorporate into programs like that? So I think yeah. following yeah. the money that way is a really so interesting So you're thinking of like place. smart homes. Yeah. Smart home right. technology, right. making homes safer um, for, for aging and things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and if that is proven to keep somebody at home longer, then it makes sense that, you know, if you're going right. to pay... For, for solutions anyway, then that may be an opportunity uh, as long as the evidence base is there. Uh, so how do, how do innovators that are out there in this space, how do they take advantage of the experience within MEHI, the experience you have within the, the Executive Office of Elder Affairs? How do they connect? I mean, you're clearly sponsoring a Pulse initiative. Mm-hmm. Is that the only way or are there other, other ways to engage? So, uh, you know, Pulse is the main way that we're sort of vetting new solutions and bringing them to the Executive Office of Elder Affairs. That's one of the reasons, because it can be very difficult for uh, for uh, Secretary Bonner or anybody in her position right. to handle uh, all the inbound inquiries. So that's right. one of the reasons why we set that up. Right. The other uh, thing to do uh, here in Massachusetts, we've, uh, Mihai has uh, a guy on our staff who's job it is to connect 
to uh, to digital health startups and help introduce them to the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So they can go to mehigh.masstech.org and find the Mass Digital Health uh, or MassDigitalHealth.org and find uh, the directory of all the services that we've got right. for those companies. The other thing that we do, uh, part of what we've sponsored are at both at Pulse in Boston and at TechSpring in uh, Western Mass in Springfield, there are monthly meetups of digital health companies and the communities. So I think it's the second uh, Thursday of every month out in Springfield at TechSpring. They've got something called Tap Into TechSpring. They right. serve beer. So, uh, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, Pulse uh, is less consistent with their dates, but it's still a monthly uh, a monthly opportunity to talk to folks. Yeah. So. And, I, you know, there's some work at the national level. So there's, a, you know, a group called Leading Age, which is not-for-profit yeah. uh, organizations that work in aging, and they have a Center for Aging and Technology Services. So that's uh, another organization. We were uh, speaking with folks from the uh, CMS, the CMMI, the Innovation Center at the right. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. There are some grants um, that have come out of that work because, again, they're focused on Medicare, Medicaid costs, mm -hmm. and technology that can support and innovation that can support um, newer ways of, of uh, working with older adults and working in healthcare. So periodically there are new opportunities through groups like that and uh, I would I would just agree with all of the uh, you know the organizations that Lawrence mentioned we do get approached by universities and researchers right, right, and right. <clears throat> innovators and it is pretty overwhelming so we'd rather have people come to us and say what are the biggest problems that you're looking to solve so you heard about some of yep, them today yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. you really touched on a lot of them you know again housing transportation right. loneliness and isolation caregiving integrating healthcare into the home setting, helping people to age in their communities, in their homes, and helping so that we are framing all of this in a positive right. way so that people are looking forward to that uh, that third decade, that, that third act of their lives when they have all these opportunities and can stay healthy. Uh, and we can support them to um, to continue to contribute and give back. I think one of the things that, that some of these digital technologies are helping to harness is the power and the uh, the great experience and expertise that older people have mm -hmm. and how to bring that back into the community. So it's not necessarily a digital health piece by itself, but it relates back to that because when we feel purpose and meaning in our lives, we're healthier. Um, you know, so helping people to uh, reach that point where they, they can they can feel a, a meaningfulness in their lives and they're giving back to their communities, those those are very important things and digital health can actually help with that. Great. Well let's end on that positive note. Thank you so much for dropping by this afternoon. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank thank you. This was fun. Thanks. It was great. The Resonance Test Podcast is where we seek out people who are consistently able to go from inspiration and cool ideas to fully implementing them. Innovation in this form can be found in all sorts of fields, from health and tech to food and the workplace, and we love hearing how different people go about doing this repeatedly. Continuum is a global innovation design consultancy with studios in Boston, Milan, Seoul, and Shanghai. At Continuum, we're very deliberate about the term innovation. For us, it means turning ideas into stuff that's real. Because from our perspective, it's not really innovative until it exists. If you want to learn more about Continuum and the work we do, go to continuuminnovation.com. 
Thanks to Secretary Bonner, Lawrence, and Mike for their great conversation today. Many thanks to Kip, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Unending appreciation to Ken Gordon, our producer, for his masterminding behind the scenes. This has been The Resonance Test. I'm your host, Pete Chapin. And to our listeners, we thank you for your ears. Mm